listeners and all you straggling zombies, and welcome to Cut and Splice. Uh, this is Matt speaking, and as usual, I'm joined with... Uh, this is Jason. And this is Gil. And this time around, we are discussing the movie Predestination. This is a 2014 production by the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong with the pronunciation, Spirig Brothers, uh, an Australian film based off of Robert Heinlein's uh, short story from 1958 titled All You Zombies. It's a time travel, sci-fi, drama, thriller, I think it would say it would be safe to say Mindbender starring Ethan Hawke and Sarah Snook, uh, which follows a temporal agent uh, uh, attempting to stifle the uh, terror attack by uh, a, a terrorist called the Fizzle Bomber. But the amazing thing is that, at least for me, is that it's kind of uh, a backdrop to the real story, which is a real exploration of uh, a, a fundamentally a paradox, a time travel paradox, and kind of delves into some fundamental questions about free will and uh, how much choice we actually have as human beings uh, as we coast through life so i thought th that this would be an interesting discussion and i'll just uh throw it out to the to the guys and uh see what they think it's um uh better than i thought it was going to be um it's kind of one of those things where like as we started watching it as i started watching it i was um i was really surprised that i had never heard of this movie before um and it was uh yeah, it was just, it was good. Um, uh, it's a very complex story, and I think it was really well written. And um, without giving away anything, I mean, Matt already said it's like a time travel type of movie. I, I'll just say that when I started watching it, I started seeing the pieces coming together. And I, there were numerous times in the story where I was very happily surprised because I would see where the story was going and I'd see the pieces they were lining up and I'd be like, oh, I, I know what's going to happen. And uh, <laughs> it's not even that I was wrong or upset that I, that I knew what was going to happen. It was like when, when you're watching such a good movie and you're like, I know what's going to happen and I don't care because it's so good that I'm just enjoying what I'm seeing kind of thing. But then I come to find out that what I knew was going to happen was only like 20% of what was going to happen. And then I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so that might be really complicated to, to yeah, that that's what, how I felt about it. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, my reaction uh, as I was watching it was definitely mixed, more mixed than in the end, but still mixed in the end. And maybe that will be more for the, the second part with spoilers, but, uh, but, but yeah, as I was watching it, the main thing that I'm thinking as far as 
recommending and reviewing it, it's it's got a bit of a pacing issue. It's got a bit of a of a a, a two part type of yes. thing where the first part of the movie is all uh, a story essentially that's being told and there's not much time travel <laughs> in the first half and you're saying wait this is a science fiction movie because it's like we're 45 minutes in and there's like nothing happening um, but then you realized um, you realize by by the second half that that it makes sense that it was necessary to have all that and I guess they couldn't have gone back and forth to, I guess a different filmmaker could have like intercut the 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 past with the present or or you know the the moving back and forth in time. But but I guess that setup was really necessary to to know deeply the character, uh, um, the character that's telling the story in the in the movie, uh, to in order for all the payoffs to come later on. So yeah, so it's so that that frustrated me while watching it. But I forgave it near by the end. Um, and then there's other parts of it that uh, I, I think play into my ongoing criticism of movies that I feel like are almost just using a device just to uh, fuck with the audience, just to to really trick the audience uh, in order to have some sort of payoff that feels half empty because of those tricks. And and I've said that about like other movies like uh, you know signs uh, not signs actually signs I really like but uh, uh, the Sixth Sense a little bit uh, like Fight Club there's other movies that are of of a similar kind but 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 ones that that just have this very specific trick or gimmick that's manipulating the audience for for a reaction uh, but again I mean that's that's just my overall impression. And and I could be convinced this is why we have these discussions because obviously this is a very complex story, uh, so it's um, so that's why it'd be good to dive into it. Uh, but yeah, and I haven't rated it yet, so I was on the fence. Uh, but, but but I think for those reasons, I would probably it's intricate enough to be interesting and and to give it a seven. But uh, but to give it like an eight, I would have to be convinced otherwise about those those issues that I brought up. It is actually kind of interesting, uh, like in terms of the the structure of the story. I, I mean, I, I am using the word structure rather than pacing uh, uh, specifically here because it is interesting because uh, Robert Heinlein's original short story was basically structured in exactly the same way. This is still spoiler free to say that there's the character of the bartender played by Ethan Hawke and uh, the character of the unmarried mother uh, who is a man who he meets at, at his bar, who's a, uh, an author of um, confession stories in the seventies and everything like that. And the, yeah, the first 45 minutes of the movie fundamentally, except for the, opening sequence is just a conversation between the bartender and the unmarried mother about the, the past of the unmarried mother and how this person came to be who he is. It's really, uh, this is actually one of the things that I appreciate about the movie is it is really a, a faithful 
adaptation of the uh, of the short story with certain things added on to make it more cinematic and to make it actually work as a movie but i mean i can understand how uh in terms of structure having you know fundamentally half the movie just be that exposition you know i i can understand how if you don't have a captive audience like if you don't have people who paid ticket paid money to get a ticket and see, sit there and see the movie that people might turn it off and just kind of be like okay well where's the time travel and the action going to happen you know I, I, we're just watching uh the backstory of this character and we don't really understand why but then eventually you do understand why and you start to be able to uh, discover why you've gone through that this entire time. And in fact, by the end of the movie, you kind of understand that the entire movie was understanding who this character is. Not just the 45 minutes, it's the entire movie understanding who this character is. Uh, and how this person has evolved through uh through time uh i i hope that was cryptic enough uh but yeah probably <laughs> okay <laughs> um i um didn't think ahead of time as usual about um wh what i would rate this movie I was definitely thinking last night after watching it that this is a movie that um I assume that this first part of our discussion will be very short relative to our other um, episodes of our podcast, because I don't know how we can really even discuss much of this movie without going into spoilers. I mean, uh, other than to yeah. simply say for the, all I would say is that I definitely recommend it to people, especially if you like time travel movies. I totally agree with what you guys are saying about the whole like weird shift from the first part to the second part to the third part of the movie. Um, but uh, for me personally, I'll just say that um, I did get this sense while watching the first part after, as the story is being told and they move from the booth or from the bar to the booth to the, the, um, the uh, pool table and so on and so forth. And they just, and, and the character is still telling the story of, of um, their early life and just all this stuff. I was like realizing in my head that like, Oh, we're not really dealing with time travel anymore. What is going on here? But I was invested enough that I didn't care. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, and plus um, I kind of had uh, Matt already discussed that, that uh, they set up at the very, very, very beginning that this time travel agents job is to act down and stop a serial bomber. And when you hear one of the characters, uh, the, the, uh, what is it? She's credited as the unmarried mother or something like that or the, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. The unmarried, Sorry, the other yeah. character, <laughs> the, when the other character that's talking to, um, Ethan Hawk is, is there, we already know Ethan Hawk is a time traveler. They established that in the opening shots of the movie, mm -hmm. opening scenes of the movie. We then see him working at a bar in New York. Uh, I think it's New York, right? Yeah. Uh, and, correct. And he starts probing questions. And um, you can see how the other character is just very cynical 
and doesn't mm-hmm. seem very compassionate whenever they mention the events of the bombings and stuff. So it, it's, yes, it, it feels like we're not talking about time travel anymore or anything like that. But the whole time I'm thinking at the beginning, again, we're, we're kind of like getting dangerously close to spoilers here, but it's like, and I don't feel like it's that off is what I'm getting at. Because during that whole time, it's basically, I still feel like he's getting information, whether he suspects the other character is the bomber or suspects that the other character has information or something. So it's like, yeah, I'm getting this weird, long, long, long backstory that's super detailed and eventually going to become relevant. But I didn't feel bored. I didn't feel like it was taking me out of the movie. I I did notice it for sure. But um, yeah, I don't know. I would just say basically... I definitely recommend it. And if you haven't seen it yet, um, I would totally watch it before uh, listening to us go into super deep detail about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And I would point out too as, as, yes, that would be my recommendation is that as long as you're patient with it and you do like mind bending, complex um, sci fi stories, this is definitely one. This is like a nice puzzle piece like this would be a good nolan vehicle yeah <laughs> if he had done it uh it's actually he's got some similarities to tenant which we we will get into I, in the, in the second part the same thing yeah I, I wonder if he knew about the short story or, or saw the movie as he was working on the script for tenant but um but yes i i think it's it's one of those things where where you you do need to be patient with it. It's it's not going to be nonstop action. It, it's not that movie. Um, it's not Tenant. It's, it's, it's not Tenant. Yeah, exactly. But then it succeeds in some ways better, I guess, especially for YouTube. We will, we will like. get into that. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, 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 was, it was made for $5 million. So, I mean, oh, no, yeah, no, it's for sure. definitely uh, not. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, if, if uh, yeah. I didn't I mean, even uh, mean that in a bad way. <laughs> and I wouldn't even compare those two movies because they are very different movies. But yeah. uh, but yes, no, I, I do think uh, if you're into heavy sci-fi and and all that, then then it's worth watching. If if you're looking for mostly action, then maybe watch something else. Watch TV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So what's your rating, Jason? Oh, uh, okay. So was it, um, I don't know if this lines up with other movies we've talked about in uh, the past on on here or anything like that. But um, I did. Uh, and we, we can discuss this later at the end if we wanted to as well, but um, just for fun and because I was curious in my head, I, I tried uh, making a list of what I would consider my favorite time travel movies, and um, it, it made the top 10. Uh, oh, barely, wow. barely. But that being said, um, I if I'm trying to look at what I thought about those movies, I guess it would have to be a seven or a 7.5 somewhere in there. When I think about like how much I enjoyed watching it, I'd say like a 7.5, almost an eight, but I can't give it an eight because at the end, I, um, I don't really feel like it had a whole hell of a lot to say, if that makes sense. (laughs) You know, like I thoroughly enjoyed it and I think it's a very intelligent movie. I just, you know, it didn't, you know what I mean? It just didn't, like, um, you know, I, I, I don't think it's, you know, um, consequential. It, it's not as good as Terminator, you know, <laughs> Terminator, <laughs> uh, one or two, both, <laughs> both. So it kind of deals with the same paradox. It does, <laughs> oh, 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 Matt, 
Okay, okay. So, uh, Matt, <laughs> give, your, uh, g- give your uh, <laughs> give your give uh, your uh, rating so we can move on. Right. Uh, I, okay, I'll, I'll just say uh, an eight point two. Eight point two. Yeah. Okay, so we're not that far off. I, I thought I was going to be like lower than you guys. I guess I could have gone for a six. Maybe I'll be convinced otherwise. But but yeah, I, I guess I'm being generous with it because it is, like Jason said, it's a very intelligent movie and they're tough to pull off. And I felt like it was subtle enough yet understandable in the end. Like yeah. I didn't have to read multiple articles to get the, the meaning of what was happening. It took like a few exchange of a few sentences with, with Diana, like my wife, to, to you know to to kind of get to the bottom of it in a way or at least have some theories and i guess there's like competing theories about it so and we can get to that as well mm-hmm. a- any movie that's this complex like it, it could be taken several different ways um yeah yeah so i guess i'll, uh, I'll mention the poster quickly you haven't given us your rating i i did yeah, i said seven i i did uh, Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I so, gave a seven. Yeah. No, I said like I might be convinced uh, to give okay. it an eight, uh, but uh, now I'm thinking maybe a six. But but I'll, I'll probably uh, stick yeah, to seven. I, I, yeah, I, I, I must have blanked. Okay. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. No, no, no. But but in any case, yeah. So it is surprising okay. that the poster uh, kind of like reveals the, the what the movie is because it says to save the future he must protect his past. It would have been a better tagline if they said to save the future he must protect the past, not his past. Yes. That would be the less of a hint to what what what's going on in the movie. I don't Um, want to get it on a sidetrack or here or anything, but real quick, do you guys often read movie posters and just think that whoever's writing these tags are really stupid? (laughs) Well, I mean, obviously, I, I see I see a good tag on a poster about like one out of seven, maybe. Yeah. Uh. Honestly, I don't even remember the last time that I looked at a poster, but. <laughs> oh, sad. I usually uh, look at them on IMDb while we're doing the the show because I'm like on the page there for like the actors and uh-huh. stuff. But uh, in, in any case, yeah. So, it's, um, yeah. So um, I guess uh, who should go first? I guess, Matt, I, I was interested because the thing in your post about it a few uh-huh. months ago, you mentioned that that it's it's one of those time travel movies that succeeds in not being uh like that the the logic completely makes sense well i I mean it it makes sense to the extent that a time travel movie that includes traveling into the past can make sense i mean obviously you're going to deal with the paradox whatever you're dealing with time travel into the past and that you know you know you're either going to have to you know deal with the uh like you know the grandfather paradox you know if you kill your own grandpa are you going to you know you know that means that you couldn't exist to go back in time to kill your own grandpa so that you know that you know that's paradoxical um okay i i guess since we're in the 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 spoiler uh, portion. It, it should just be pointed out that in both the movie Predestination and in Robert Heinlein's original story, all of the characters, uh, all of the main characters in the movie are the same person. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the the character is born as Jane, but Jane 
turns out to be intersex. She has a baby, and because Jane is intersex, there there is there are complications of the pregnancy. They have to remove her female reproductive organs. They reconstruct all that in order for her to become the unmarried mother. Uh, in the original short story, the unmarried mother is never given a male name uh, in the in the movie. Uh, it just goes from Jane to John. And then John eventually becomes the bartender and uh, the bartender eventually becomes the fizzle bomber. That's another deviation from the short story, by the way, uh, which we can get into if we have time. But <laughs> I, I mean, fundamentally the movie is dealing with a paradox and it is one of those things again, you know, like with Terminator where Kyle Reese goes back in time to protect Sarah, Sarah Connor, Connor so that she can give birth to John Connor and then Kyle Reese ends up having sex with Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese becomes John Connor's father. Uh, even though, you know, Kyle Reese was born after John Connor. So, it, you know, it's again, it's the same kind of predestination paradox, but the paradox in this movie and in the short story, Paradox is really what the movie's about. And even though it's one of those things where, like, yeah, you're you're dealing with a certain amount of suspension of disbelief, and you know, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that uh seems nonsensical but could plausibly be true, which is basically the what a paradox is. <laughs> um it is something that maps out all the interactions that this character has with him and herself throughout the years in such a way that you can actually map it out and beat by beat it 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 just maps out properly you know the, that all of these things actually work out and it it it's uh and it goes back to the 1958 short story i mean people have been mapping out the timeline uh, of Robert Heinlein's short story for uh, since 1958, and it, it it all of the timelines intersect absolutely perfectly. Do uh, they though? Yeah, yeah. Do they? <laughs> uh, I mean, well, also, I'm not I'm not uh, saying that I doubt the amount of research that you've done on this, or how many times you've seen it, or your understanding of it, or anything. I guess all I'll say is like I. I believe you uh, yeah. just as I'm watching it. I thought it was a lot more messy than Terminator. Like I get Terminator. Oh, that... Term Terminator is simpler, which makes it easier. Yeah, Cause right. the fact that there's no relations between John Connor and, uh, and Reese, uh, what's his name? Kyle. <laughs> Kyle Reese. Kyle, Kyle yeah. Reese. Yeah. The fact that there's no relation between, between them, it almost makes sense. Cause, cause you can almost like, say that yes if if everything this is what predestination does they have that running joke that the part bartender says about like what came first the chicken yeah. or the egg the rooster yeah um, yeah that's funny like which is funny because the the rooster comes first like yeah. you know coming that's the joke but but actually but actually it's also the meaning of the movie that yeah. there's 
a rooster, and this is one of the theories that I guess we need to discuss, is like there's a rooster that started this whole process um, before everything got started. Uh, and uh, and in Terminator, yeah, you, you can say that's all occurred on a loop, that the continuation of John Connor and Kyle Reese, uh, but, but they're not, uh, unlike Predestination, they're not the same person. So in a way, it works more easily, lo- yeah. logically. I mean, uh, and, and I don't know if this is the same rules that predestination uses. It, it was hard for me to really tell if it, if they were operating off the same set of rules or not. But I mean, Terminator is really simple. Terminator goes off of this idea that that um, every time somebody time travels, it kind of like creates like a new sort of thing in a way. You know, like like uh, it, you you just have to believe that at one point in time you know, before time travel happened that, you know, the machines take over and uh, Sarah Connor just happens to survive the big battles and whatever and has a child. That child happens to grow up and become a leader that was just barely good enough to succeed at what he does. And then the machines, you know, send somebody back and um you know send the machine back to do what it does in the story and uh you know kyle reese was just one of the best guys that uh that john connor had and sends him back you know and so on and so forth uh to to stop what happens but then um you know the whole thing plays out again kyle reese becomes the father of john connor and that's a whole new that's rewriting history and he's now probably conceivably a better version of John. He's probably more prepared for the future because now Sarah spends time grooming him to become what he becomes and so on and so forth. So you think about it as like parallel loops next to each other, like a spiral, like a corkscrew instead of like, you know, a line kind of thing. And and it makes more sense. It's pretty simple. There's this thing starts getting really complicated. Yeah, I mean, because the one thing you forgot when you broke down the whole order of things, Matt, is that the fact that it's a loop that that the baby she gives birth is is kidnapped and is dropped off in the past, and that's Jane again. So she's she's not only the. I'm not assuming Matt forgot that. I just don't. No, no, not that he forgot, but but he didn't mention it in his breakdown, which um yeah, which I'm sure people know because they saw the movie if they're listening to this now, but um, (laughs) (laughs) but that was one of the clearest things about shame. Yay. <laughs> but but in any case, so, so that's that's one of the main things that we have to discuss. Yeah, that was is, the part where I was like, I was like, wow. Okay, I'll just say this: the part that Gil just described, when that happens, uh, let's just say, uh, let's go. You, if you remember, fifteen minutes ago, I was just describing my experience of watching this and seeing the pieces fall up all together. They even describe that guy, the boss, as someone who sets up a bunch of dominoes. Kind of uh, Robertson. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, like in my head, I'm already trying to put this together as I'm watching it, and there's the the moment that he's staring through the glass. We don't know that he's staring at the babies yet, but we find out that he's staring at the babies. Mm-hmm. And then the guy comes forward and has a conversation with him. Now, at this point, we already know how crazy this movie's getting because we know that there's a character that has gone back in time 
and had a relationship with <laughs> with herself <laughs> you know yeah. it, it's very complicated <clears throat> we're talking about it, it, it's the ultimate it's the ultimate case of self-love uh, it, it's it, it, it's i mean without we're, masturbation we're, talking, we are, we're literally talking about hermaphrodite time travel at this point and therefore asexual reproduction and, and and stuff but that's the craziest part is that um so in that scene i'm going i'm putting this together and i'm like oh my gosh this is getting crazy and this is really good and my brain is eating it all up he has this really good conversation with that guy and the guy says to him you have to do this he says you're the only one who can do it you are like i don't know he says something to him very important he basically uh, yeah you are the only uh the you're uh, something along the lines of you are the only person uh given to the world through a paradox with no no ancestry and no connection to the past yeah. or the future so, when he said that to him, I thought, oh my gosh, this is it. This is like the big moment right here. And my brain started going like, that's it. This whole movie, they've we, they've introduced this many characters. This many of those characters is the same person. And I was like, this is getting nuts. And I thought, that's why he's relevant. That's why he's <laughs> relevant. I'm like, he's going to be the baby. And, and, and I was like, that's nuts oh my gosh and then he walks in and i was right it's the baby room he picks up the baby and i'm like oh my gosh and then the next scene happens and i was like mind blown I was like, what the hell so it's like in a way because if you think about it if they had only gone that far say they had only had the balls to go that far right um like so we already have a hermaphrodite traveling through time, having a relationship with him herself and conceiving a, asexually of a child. And then like, there's the whole thing of this time traveling agent who's being told he's like the world's only hope because he's a paradox. His existence is a paradox. And therefore, you know, that would already be enough. Right. Wouldn't it? I mean, that would uh -huh. be enough to make him a paradox. The fact that his parents are the same person. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm like, this guy, that's why he's the best. That's why he's gone. They, they are the, the doctor says you've been through so much more than any of our other agents, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wow, this is nuts. This is nuts. Five seconds later. I did not know how I was totally right, but for the wrong reasons. <laughs> I, I, I can see that being a shock. Yeah, I was like, damn. But anyway, yeah. Um. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's the question. So as far as like, especially like, uh, I mean, both of you, but but Matt, even more specifically, is is the rooster Robertson? Uh, like, did they basically? Yeah, because like basically, as the idea is, is that this agency that invented time travel, did they they created a loop? they manufactured a person somehow mm -hmm. out of time. I don't know if they did it like in a lab or however they got it done or they found an orphan to, to initiate the process, but it had to be a very specific orphan. It had to be one that can be both a man and a woman, intersex. Like they, they, I'm assuming they might have manufactured or like it seems like they were like testing a lot of girls. 
So I, I wonder if there is something of like they're looking through a lot of babies to find the right one that could be put into a loop that perpetually creates its own and destroys its own life just as an experiment because they're they're experimenting with time travel and the best way to experiment with it is without affecting the world outside of the loop and you do it by having a person that has no family no connections a loner blah 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 it's that is that sort of like what the concept is and then of course it goes off the rails once he becomes a bomber and then he does influence the outside world uh, and they try to correct it by using it against itself. Let, let, let's not get too deep into it, Matt. Yeah, but but that's is, like when it, when it backfires. Help us but, understand but yeah. the first part. Help us understand. <laughs> is is <laughs> is what what Gil just said, and what I that's also what I was kind of suspecting because of the way they talk about the rooster. Uh, is that about yeah. what you think as well, too? Or I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I I think that that's the most plausible. Uh, explanation is that Robertson is kind of behind all of it. Um, and, you know, there there's like a little tidbit in the, the movie. I don't remember if it's in the short story, uh, but, you know, that there are 11 yeah. temporal, temporal agents. And obviously uh, the bartender and the unmarried mother are at least two of them. Two of the 11, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and you know, actually one popular theory is that, uh, 10 of them are just actually the same people in different time loops and the 11th is Robertson. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think that it makes sense that Robertson is the, uh, the rooster in, in the story. And, Okay, this is also kind of an interesting thing because they have that photo of when the fizzle bomber pulled off exactly what he was trying to do, yeah. you know, where he killed 11,000 New Yorkers in one bombing. And since then, they've been trying to stop him entirely. And that's when the unmarried mother has the bomb go off in his face and you know, gets burned up and has to go through the reconstructive surgery and then becomes the bartender and goes back in time and recruits the unmarried mother in order yeah. to uh, get him to into the agency and so on and so forth. It's at least somewhat established in the movie that at some point the fizzle bomber managed to do exactly what he intended to do. But since then, the loop has gone through where that perpetual... Yeah, uh, that that scene keeps the snake happening. Eating its own tail, right? Yeah, the snake eating <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, that, no, I was thinking right. about that too. I didn't think about it till you said that right now. But I didn't remember it until you said it right now. But as I was watching the movie, I, I thought about my whole, you know, the whole uh, the Terminator logic again. It, assuming yeah. they're going off of those rules, the fact that they have the picture and knew, know so much about it and and all that stuff like that uh, implies that the initial story as it goes through once they've done time travel and so on and so forth and this guy mm. exists in some way shape or form whatever whatever small part of the overall story like whatever by the end he's a very complicated character but whatever yeah. however simple of a version he existed as before eventually he does retire he does have a 
uh, a, you know, what do you call it? A, um, one of the little suitcase time travel machines that errors, therefore mm. giving him free reign to move around as much as he wants. And he starts bombing things because uh, creating small tactical bombs going off to murder certain people and in the, in the process of doing so, saving hundreds, if not thousands of people in, in the process of killing small groups of people or individuals. But then at one point starts going off the rail and gets so obsessed with what he's doing that he sets off a massive explosion, killing, what do they say, thousands of people? I think they said 11,000. That's a lot. Yeah. So 11,000 people dying um, and so on and so forth. So, and then, then they send somebody, they send himself back in time, catches up to himself in the laundromat and then closes the loop with snake eating its own tail situation. And then from that point on, it's just like the story just keeps getting more and more complex as it keeps completing the loop over and over and over again or something. But you're right. If they have the pictures and they have the stuff, there's no indication anywhere in the movie that any of that's fabricated. It seems like all the other news clippings they have, like they got it from a, a, a version of the, of the timeline where it happened, and then they yeah. and, and then they took it like like they show him taking evidence and taking small tidbits through time with him. So it's like all the scrapbooking and all the stuff that they do, you know, it's like it, it clearly must have happened at some point in time. Yeah. And actually, you know, one thing to, to bring up at this point, it is interesting foreshadowing that they did mention early in the movie that the fizzle bomber kept changing the date. Yep. Yeah. Of his yeah. attack. <laughs> so like, there's a little bit of foreshadowing there that, yeah. that, you know, you're kind of got to, gloss over until you go through the whole story and realize oh shit that's why he keeps changing the date it's because he's another time traveler <laughs> but hmm. it, uh, uh, um but yeah it's uh, uh and i think uh, that connects to a, a theory uh, if i'm not mistaken i think diana read this um uh, i didn't look up any articles but i think she read something <laughs> about uh um the one theory was that uh, he he didn't stop the bombing, like he couldn't stop the bombing, even though he caught the fizzle bomber and killed him, mm -hmm. because he's a time traveler. So he probably went to a different time and set off the bomb there um, before he was caught and murdered. Um, so, so in a way, that's why, because my I had the theory that I had, <clears throat> and let me know if this sounds weird. I always have these weird things, but I thought that the yeah. idea was is that. The reason why it's a loop is that every time you go through the loop, you close one bombing. So like they start with the biggest one and then on the next loop, mm -hmm. they'll maybe try to like stop the next bombing and next bomb and try to repair all the damage that they've done with this experiment. Uh, it's not very uh, like an agency, a government agency to care about people dying. Usually they, they will just like suck it up to like collateral damage for the purpose of science. But I thought that's what's going on. It's like, oh, this is the beginning of repairing all the issues that this experiment did, um, you know, or something like that. Uh, but, it, but it sounds like that another theory is, is that you can't stop it. Like they thought they can control time. They thought that like, um, you know, they, they can fix things, um, but it's, it's predestination. 
it's it's what happened and it's what always was going to happen and there's no way to repair it and this character is going to be stuck in this loop forever mm. um well gil i don't know matt you you can tell me if you got this totally different maybe i don't know but my understanding of it was that um let me see here i want to be careful about how i say this about what their intention was the when i say they i mean the mm. the agency and everything the the people who set all this in motion uh -huh. um so let's just say at the point of him going back and shooting himself in the laundromat and and completing the loop right uh -huh. for the very first time that that happened my understanding is that okay so do you remember the scene where he's talking uh earlier on the movie ethan hawk is kind of getting ready to, to go back in time and uh, -huh. uh the guy is talking to him um uh, 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 uh noah taylor uh he, yeah uh, uh yeah, he, he's talking to him yeah, yeah robertson is talking to him and he says something along the lines of like it's like uh, Ethan Hawke says something like, we got to stop this guy. He's like the worst or something. And he says something to him along the lines of like, he's. it's almost like he's almost not careful enough the way he says it. He kind of says something like, hey, look, um, this guy, this, this fizzle bomber, I mean, look, yeah, he's done horrible, horrible things. But honestly, chasing him down has led to us accomplishing so almost like he says motivated us to do some of the greatest stuff we've ever done or something like that he says yeah. some sort of line like that and i think what they're talking about there is that um if by the end of the movie when the laundromat scene happens and he closes the loop at least the first time we see it being closed mm -hmm. but it's probably been done many 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 times it seems to me that they want or that after the big giant bombing happened for the very first time and it um, 11,000 people died or something like that. They initiated this whole thing where the guy goes back and creates a loop and kills himself and closes the loop kind of thing. So they want to stop that horrific thing from happening, but that's when um, it's a younger version of himself killing the older version of himself. And he tells him, he says, when you do this, when you kill me, you become me kind of thing. And he showed him a, a scrapbook of all the bombings he's done up to that point. And yeah. what he says to him is he says, no, 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 no. He's like, I'm not a monster. Look. And he says this bombing, this little small bombing here. And then this one and this one and this one. Mm -hmm. He's not talking about how many people died in the bomb. He, he's saying 300 for this one. And he's saying like 12 people for this one and, and so on and so forth. 25 for this one. He's saying He's talking about how because he set off that bomb, the small one, he says, I I killed a person who was going to go on and kill, uh, uh, do something terrible. He says, I saved that many people. Then he turns the page and he says, oh, remember this one? And he says, I blew up that thing. And he says some number. He's talking about how after he retired uh, and the thing aired and gave him the ability to move around through time with, with you know, with freedom and such. He then spent the rest of his life trying to right some terrible wrongs by changing the past. And so he starts bombing things and killing people. And in the process of doing that, he's because uh, he can he can see the he can live through an event and, and see tragic thing happen. 
and travel back and prevent it. So he keeps the newspaper clipping of how many people died originally, and then he, he fixed it by killing somebody. And then in the next one, and the mm. next one, and the next one. So all the way up to the point where he was about to do this terrible thing and kill, you know, 11,000 people, right up to that point, he has managed to live a life, yes, murdering a bunch of people, but also saving tens of thousands of people probably over the course of this whole thing uh, and righting a bunch of, of wrongs and so on and so forth. Um, and so I think that's what, where, what the loop is. I think that they, they view the fizzle bomber as this guy. He's almost like a vigilante who has, who has access to time travel and has done tons and tons and tons of good things over his life, but eventually goes way too far and they just had to snip him before that happens. And then it's pretty much a success. Okay. There's a lot to unpack there. I know. Uh, <laughs> I expected that was going to be like a one minute explanation and it just kind of went on and on. And I was like, God, this movie's complex. <laughs> okay. I actually think that there's a more solid argument that it was intentional that his uh, kit did not decommission. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right, and, yeah. and uh, be, because if he doesn't become the fizzle fizzle bomber, then the loop is cut, and he has no reason to go back in time to recruit himself in order to, you know, go back in time and have sex with himself and have a baby of himself and go back and you know, uh, uh, right? Yeah, <laughs> there's there's no reason for the loop to continue if he doesn't become the fizzle bomber. Uh, and I, I, I think that's what, uh, the, the fizzle bomber at the end was, you know, saying it's just like, you know, if you, you shoot me, you become me uh, or you can try to love me again and so on and so forth. Uh, but now one interesting thing though, is that last portion of the movie is not in the, in the original short story yeah at all. Uh, uh, the fizzle bomber is mentioned in the short story, but, in the short story, the fizzle bomber was already, you know, like, you know, something that, okay, that happened. And then we went back in time and we stopped him. Oh, in the uh, short story, they just stop him. Yeah. Like it's that, it's yeah, that yeah. clear. Yeah. Yeah. It was already. Uh, yeah. It was already set up that the fizzle bomber was already taken care of. Uh, it, it, there was nothing in the short story about the bartender and Jane and, you know, the unmarried mother becoming the fizzle bomber in the original short story. Oh, so they added in the movie that the that the fizzle bomber is, is part of that same character. Yes. <laughs> oh, I see. So when the fizzle bomber in the short story is not a time travel? Uh correct. Oh, so that's really weird. Which by the way, it's the way I perceived him most of the movie up until the point where he travels back in time to deal with him. I guess it makes sense what the movie does with it, but I, but I wonder if it just complicates the whole thing a bit too much based on Jason's reaction. But, um, yeah. hey, um, so do, do you, have you read the story, Matt? Uh, yeah. So then in the original story, if, if the fizzle bomber is not actually the same character, then is the, is the fizzle bombers actual only direct contribution to the the loop of this of the character the the part where basically um i mean i assume that 
the bomb that blows up in the character's face and basically starts that third transition of that character's life was a fizzle bomber's bomb, right? Uh, that's not in the short story either. No. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I think that that was a, a, a clever thing that the filmmakers added in, which is something that I, I thought was, was kind of lacking in the original short story, where if you're just reading the words, you know, if you're a visual thinker, you can kind of just be like, okay, how does... I, I mean, there there's a certain amount of willing suspension of disbelief to just say, like, okay, Jane didn't immediately understand that the unmarried mother was her. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it already takes that level of uh, suspension of disbelief. And then if you add in the bartender without, like, the facial reconstruction thing... It, it it becomes really hard to swallow on a visual medium, and yeah, there's there's just differences when you're telling a story in right. a, a novel form. You can right, just get away with stuff. Right, and so yeah, I think the the filmmakers just had uh, had the wherewithal to write that in as a a plot device to, you know, I, I mean, you know, you know, Ethan Hawke at the beginning of the movie, you know, says that line. Uh, even my mother wouldn't recognize me, yeah. which is kind of a great line. <laughs> so, okay. It's funny. You mentioned that I watched the movie yeah. and then I was like, okay, now I need to watch that first scene again. Yeah. Like all of it. Yeah. Me you too. Know? I feel so like I went back and I watched the first scene again. And it's really funny that when he, he stares in the mirror and he reacts the way I think anybody would if they're suddenly looking at themselves and they don't even recognize themselves. And he kind of goes like, he's first kind of a little shocked and a little concerned. And he's like, oh. And then he kind of steps back and goes, yeah. And the guy says, well, and you'll continue to heal and so on and so forth and blah, blah, blah. And he kind of keeps talking in his little doctor speak. And then he says that line, Matt just said, wow, I don't even think my own mother would recognize me. And then he kind of chuckles just a little bit. I was like, ah, that's funny. He <laughs> doesn't have a mother. Well, the, uh... and, well, no, because no, no, but also the mother is, is him. He, yeah. he is his own mother, and yeah, yeah, yeah. he doesn't recognize himself. <laughs> oh no, no, yeah. that that's for sure. But uh, but also he probably should have said like, "This is amazing! Like I just got carved up by like you know flames, and I I look like Ethan Hawke now." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but in any case, but maybe that could lead to some of the issues that I have with the movie and those devices that they used is because for one thing, I don't buy it. Like I, I don't buy, um, yeah, it's tough for me not to buy the fact, uh, like, a, um, that the Jane doesn't recognize John or like the, you know, the, the, the transgender version, the, the male version of, of herself, because they're not that far removed. They still have the same eyes. They're still the same face for the most part. Um, yeah, but... but mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can buy it. Like, she's got the and, glasses. Uh, so it's got the whole Clark Kent thing going there. <laughs> well, I was going to say, um, Jane is still pretty at this point. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, she... She probably it has never entered her mind that she's ever going to change. 
yeah, I can see that because you don't know how you're gonna look as an old person, and, and like old person that that looks like a man, a, a male yeah. version, but older of you. Yes, but but that's one thing. Like for wait, I have a few. Uh, oh, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. then and then like the Ethan Hawke thing, um, I, it's too weird. Like it's one thing if they're gonna reconstruct the face and it's gonna look different, but but I guess and I wonder if that was part of the rooster, like part of the agency's trick is like we need to change his face and make him so manly that he wouldn't be able to even conceive of himself uh, as his prior person. Like maybe that's that's the way I can only explain it because they they've shifted his look too drastically with the reconstruction. Um, and um, and then on top of that, I mean, the voice too. I mean, the voice is very different. Um, like now he's a manly voice. Like she talks about, um, he talks about the struggle of like when when working on his voice and stuff. And and uh, and then Ethan Hawke is like a man, a man, man. You know, so that's that's like a bit of a stretch as a, as a story device. I feel like. But but it's 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 one of the many ways they had to use to trick the audience, like Matt said, because like if it's not on a page, if it's on the screen, it would be very obvious too early on what's going on with these characters. Um, and uh, and then I had like one last thing uh, that really bothered me, and I can't remember it now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I'll, I'll if it's important enough, I'll remember it. But 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 it's mainly. Those two big things that really bothered me about, and I didn't buy, and I was the the biggest gimmick. I, in this I can movie. mention a couple of mine. Maybe yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe that one, my, one so, of yours would be mine. Yeah. One thing, just just to throw it out there, I had an issue with the voice thing until I went back and rewatched that first scene again, when mm -hmm. he's staring at the mirror, the Japanese doctor yeah, or whatever. Yeah, there goes my second career. Yeah, <laughs> he says. Uh, uh, he says to him, um, uh, "Your your vocal cords have been irreparably damaged. Your uh, uh, your yeah, face yeah. might heal, but you'll you'll never sound the same way you did before." And then he goes, "There goes in his still un unhealed yet his gravelly voice." He goes, "There goes my singing career, or something like that." Yeah, yeah, that's true. Exactly. And, and this least uh, you reminded me <laughs> just with oh, that good, one. Good, 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 good. Go uh, so, so the 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 other one is. And and this is where even the one you just said, but the vocal cords that that gets into like sixth sense territory for me. But where <laughs> really like where the kicker really is is like oh yeah, and time travel, you know, gives you dementia and you know memory loss. So that's why you can't remember yourself or what you've done before, or that's why you have to make notes like the you know the the guy from uh, Memento, uh, like make these recordings oh, and they stuff. They did say that. Did so I was, uh, I was a little I, confused why he says he's making notes for himself, and then it says like what does it say seven years later or something like that, and he's still making the same notes, and I'm like, but it's not. It's not like he's later. It makes it makes sense when he's making the notes then that he's gonna give to Jane or well or to uh, the the unmarried whatever the, the that character. unmarried mother. It, it makes <laughs> sense because that character is a brand new recruit that he just spent all this time listening to the the story and so on and so forth, and then said, "I can put you in front of the person that did this to you." Blah 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 blah. All that stuff, right? And so that makes perfect sense that he's leaving all these notes for a new recruit. 
but I was I, I, they did say that, and I totally missed that until you said it right now. That 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 he he's making the notes for himself as well because of the 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 memory loss dementia stuff. That is a little convenient. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's that's the crucial point of the movie. That's why it works because he's not. It seems like he's not supposed to know. No, it's it's. I guess sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes this is another issue with the movie. Is like sometimes he does know what he's doing, and sometimes he doesn't. Like I think there's a reason they say he's got memory loss because otherwise he would know that Jane is him. Um, and also not to mention he he does know that. Well, the bartender does know that Jane is him. I, I'm not sure if he does. That's the thing. No, it, I, I'm not. That's because they say that he has dementia, like from no, time traveling. Well, that, he can't that, remember that, his past. That, no, 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 no. That, that's why when the bartender, you know, actually retrieved the unmarried mother in that scene toward the end of the movie, uh, he said, and uh, this is also straight from the short story. Uh, now you know who she is and you have a glimpse into who you are and now maybe you're ready to see who I am. Yeah, the bartender knew from the very beginning that Jane was going to end up being him. I was going to say because when, when she f- finishes the story and, and basically says, can I get the bottle now? the doer's bottle uh, the uh, the old underwear no no the old underwear is what they were drinking the the prize yeah. uh, bourbon or whiskey or scotch whatever it was he grabbed was like doers or something anyway it doesn't matter point is he put the <laughs> bottle there and he and she's kind of like can i take it now because this is the best story you've ever heard and he says like yeah it was pretty good and then he drops a bomb he says something that she did not reveal in the story so he already knew the story he was listening to her tell it but um, and kind of like going along the journey with her so she could emotionally get to the point she needed to be at. But um, he he already had more information than she was giving because he he says something in that scene and she she gets she like steps back and it's like, what the fuck? She's like, you know, like, like who are you? How did you know that kind of thing? Because she didn't tell him that. No, but that's but you know how that could be interpreted as the agency filling in him in on her story and not necessarily the fact that he knows it because he lived it. Because why would they bring up the dementia thing if if it wasn't like a a a, a device to say this is why he can't remember that she is him and this is why like he um he's okay intervening with with her life uh not knowing that it's him I, I think he realizes in the end i think because in the end of the movie he shows the scar and everything right yeah um so so i i think that he's there's moments that he remembers and there's moments he doesn't remember and maybe it's on a tape somewhere or in a notebook but but he reads it like towards the end also you know in the end like so what happens he becomes a writer in the end, like he does, he write the stories that are going to inspire the unmarried mother to become a writer. Is that what's going on there? Uh, no. Uh, okay. Uh, so again, a lot to unpack, and uh, <laughs> I, 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 I feel like I'm in a weird position. Being that I, I, I am the only one who's read the short story, right? No, yeah, I yeah, read it. I was, I've just been uh, lying this whole time. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Go ahead. I, I was, I was gonna <laughs> read it, but I didn't have time. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, for this movie. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I mean, it's it's very abundantly clear in the short story that the bartender knows from the beginning that the unmarried mother is him. I see. And that and that he's well, not from the beginning. I'm assuming if it was a twist later on, but yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's a twist in the story, but it's very clear in the story that. Uh, also, by the way, the short story doesn't have any of that stuff about like uh, dementia or psychosis in I terms see. of time travel. So the the short story is very very clear that the bartender is traveling back into the past in order to recruit his past self as a temporal agent in order to keep the loop going that will eventually lead to yeah you know, well you know yeah that'll keep the loop going you know, you know fucking time paradox shit yeah uh, <laughs> so uh i i don't think that the filmmakers intended at any point to deviate from the idea that the bartender knew that he was recruiting himself during that sequence with the unmarried mother and uh you know it it's the bartender already knew the story already knew all of it because he had already lived it. In fact, the bartender knew exactly how the unmarried mother was going to respond to everything <laughs> being that he was already the unmarried mother at one point in his life. So, uh, he had already lived that scene. Yeah, oh yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, and, and actually to the, to your point, like, uh, when they are, they're on a date, and the um, John, like the male version, like kind of yeah. tells tells Jane things that she wants to hear, even though they upset her. But mm -hmm. like, you know, be, because he knows what what he or she at, at the time would have liked to hear. Yeah. So there's mm -hmm. definitely some play there of like knowing yourself. Um, but then there's the whole thing of uh, of the fact. And, and again, this goes back to what I think the meaning of the movie is, is that the fact that John finds out that he's the guy who impregnates Jane, yet he doesn't um, decide to stay. Like, he goes as he was supposed to. Uh, kind of shows the whole, like, I guess what you were saying about the no free will thing. Um, although, at uh, one point, Dana mentioned is like, why Why would he say, if he knows that he's, He's gonna go and not come back. Why? Why does he say like I'll be right back? Oh, I mean, the I only ex what? No, I mean the only explanation is because he really thought he was gonna change time, like yeah. he was gonna change oh, yeah, totally. the the future. But 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 he fails to do so because he realizes that he can't. Yeah, something. I think I think he um, he lived it from one side of the bench, you know, and was horribly depressed, and it built it, it turned him into who he was at that point. And now he's living it from the other side and he's totally in love and he's, you know, in love with the person sitting next to him. And then he sees that he's in that crucial moment now and he realizes, okay, well, I'm a time traveler and this person, you know, is here. I have a responsibility to go at least talk to them and whatever. There is no way in hell that I'm going along with this though. I'm not going along with the story. I'm going to change things. I'm going to come back and I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to like live out the rest of my life right here and now with this person. And he just doesn't want to alarm her and just says, 
all right, I'll be right back. I'm going to go basically tell this guy off and just say I'm not going anywhere. But then, boom. Yeah. No, no. I mean, that's the explanation that I sort of gave. That 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 makes sense. But but ultimately, I think my summation of like what what's up with this movie is that it's it's too complicated for its own good. Uh, I guess that's <laughs> yeah. that's the connection to Tenant. <laughs> is if if they had found a way to simplify it somehow, um, it would have benefited from that. But at the same time. I'm glad that it's as complex as it is, even though it's a flawed movie. Again, like Tenant, it's out there. It's it's there to be digested, and it's probably worth the second viewing. And you'll notice all those details that like come earlier in the story and everything. It's really well thought through, even though there are some flaws to the logic. Um, but it's it's enjoyable. I guess that's what storytelling is about. So. So yeah, in the spirit of uh, me liking Tenant, I, I guess I like this movie. Um, just uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know uh, what did I rank Tenant. I think I give it a seven too. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, I was gonna say the the other aside from the um, stuff we just talked about the the other the one thing. Well, I guess there were two issues I had with it, other than what you just said. I, I do agree it's a little complex and stuff, but um, for its own good. It's, it's funny that this came up now because you guys just shared that uh, picture, that graph that's been shared around uh, the internet for a while now of the futuristic movie timeline mm-hmm. and everything. Um, it's um, not to get too deep into that or anything, but there's there's two issues. One is not setting your movie too far in, or far enough into the future that it, uh, that when that time, you know, years go by, if your if your movie was successful and people keep watching it, they laugh at you because you're like, you thought we were going to be at this point in t- the year 2000. You're ridiculous. You know, like, um, you know, that's kind of stuff happens all the time. That's how Back to the Future Part Two is now, you know, flying cars and holograms and all this stuff like that. And it's like 2015. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, that's just how it happens. But I fear that um, uh, you can make the exact same mistakes in the other direction, too. You know, you can um, set your movie super far into the future to be safe from that. And then um, as time goes on, uh, people will see... Um, the other problem they'll see the technology you're using that's supposed to be say let's just pick a number let's say 50 years from today and go well we're already way past that uh-huh. you know so it's a difficult thing but how i'm the reason i'm bringing that up aside from the fact that you guys were just talking about it is i kind of had an issue when i'm watching this movie because they say time travel was invented in 1981 and they're only able to travel back forward or backward. What was it? 43 years. Uh, I think they said 52, 52, whatever, uh, 52 years from the zero point, which is 1981 or something like that. Right. Or just yeah. uh, the year I was born. Yeah. Now um, let's pretend <laughs> that the year that Gil was born, some scientist <laughs> out there discovered or stumbled upon time travel. I'm okay. Uh, Dr. Emmett Brown. Yes, Dr. Emmett Brown. No, but I'm okay with that. It's all right. Dr. Emmett Brown figured it out in 1985. You know, that's okay. Um, a few years later, that's okay. It's fine. I'm all right with that. But the 
air quotes future stuff uh the the stuff where he is um doesn't he say at one point um she asks where's uh what's his name where's the boss guy um and robertson. Was, robertson where's robertson and he says back in his office in 1985 uh-huh and so let's just assume that even that's just like an arbitrary number or something like that. I don't know exactly what year it's supposed to be when the um, when he he gets the face damaged, grabs the box, and goes back to his time, and then mm. wakes up in the in the the bed with the bandages on his face, and they've they've put him back together. I don't know what year that's supposed to be. But uh, it, it, I think it's like mid nineties. Okay, that's what I thought too. I thought mid nineties, and I'm like, you know what? They gave people a lot of crap for the movie Face Off because you're like grafting facial skin onto somebody. Um, that was not possible back then. In the nineties, we had barely been able to like graft your own flesh from like your thigh or something or, or your, your calf onto your face. And it was really rudimentary. I mean, like, I think that was in the two thousands. We were able to do that. Like, wow. I'm just, I'm telling you, I don't care what, if this was even taking place now, that guy's face got that badly burned seven years later. He's not looking like Ethan Hawk. Yeah, no, no, definitely. That's, that's I, a major I, issue. <laughs> awesome plastic surgery right there. I mean, he, I wish you could get. I, I mean, I'd go burn my face right now. They should. They should have uh, fucked his kid face a bit up, like for the for the movie, for uh, sure. I I I talk. You want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Uh, but in defense of the movie, I mean, I, yes. I'm going to kind of chalk it up to, like, uh, an alternate reality kind of science fiction you know like mm-hmm. never let yeah. me go by kasua ishiguro where yeah. you know he's telling a story that takes place in the past and that that goes into the present but it's a story in which like okay hypothetical universe what have we invented cloning in the 1970s sure yeah and we could clone humans and what could this have been uh, I I mean, obviously it's based off of a short story that was written in 1958. Well, oh, well published. That's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, published in 1958. Uh, as far as Robert Heinlein was concerned, all of this was taking place in the future. What, wait, what were the dates that Robert Heinlein wrote? Uh, all the same that was in the movie. Uh, oh, wow. I, I, okay. I I mean, literally down to. Uh, the unmarried mother being uh, uh, officially um, placed into the temporal agency exactly on my date of birth, August 13th, 1985. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Just, just to be clear, hold on. Um, so you're saying in the 50s, yeah. Robert Island was writing a short story about us going into space for long periods of time um astronauts going into space for long periods yeah. of time um e- uh, even though we had not even gotten anybody much more than like an orbit or anything right i mean we, right. we didn't get the moon to the late 60s right yeah so um yeah i mean that that's a uh, pretty forward thinking so he all he's talking about 
that happening. And then he's figuring that the time travel stuff would be about 30 years down the road in the, in the eighties. Right. I, okay. I, I think, I, I think Robert Heinlein actually intended his, his short story to be viewed as like an alternate reality too, because. Right, right. No, I was just, I wanted to make sure uh, that's I, the, the dates that you're talking about. Yeah. So uh, it, it, I, I think that's, that's a safe bet. Uh, uh, so I, I mean, you actually, if you're going to make the argument, uh uh about you know like the medical technology and everything like that uh i i think that you can explain away ethan hawk looking like ethan hawk uh as the bartender uh in the alternate universe alternate technology kind of science fiction you know uh playground that i think is pretty much present throughout the entire movie i mean we i mean obviously we never had space corp in like the 1960s yeah. right, right 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 yeah uh, uh if you're going to actually nitpick it it's the fact that he still has the cesarean scars <laughs> yeah that, that is yeah i mean you just made the point uh, for me <laughs> yeah it's, it's the fact that like his face looks like ethan hogg but they couldn't cover up the that because because yeah. if if the rooster yeah. if the agency intentionally made him look that way in order for this scheme to work smoothly because obviously it would really mess up jane if she knew who he was or like uh, or at least uh, john you know um although i wonder yeah yeah cuz cuz the, the past his past self doesn't doesn't know him it's uh, you you're presuming that the future self knows and that dementia is not playing into it I, and i do yeah. wonder i guess if on a second watching i'll see why they mentioned the dementia cuz I, I really felt like it was a cop out device there that really bothered I, I, me i still think it was a cop out device but i think it was a cop out device to give For them a different helpful, purpose. to give the movie helpful um uh narration no, no, yeah, yeah. Then, then, then I, 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 well, Gil, I'll let you finish, buddy. Yeah, yeah, but please, I, please. I entirely disagree with that assessment. Okay, uh, yeah, and, and again, I unfortunately, and I, I guess I do need to see it again to understand because while watching it, I felt like that bothered me that they uh, they excused the way the explanation of why he wouldn't know certain things is because he has dementia. Um, I, again, the movie is just getting too complex for its own good type of thing. But yeah, to finish the thought about the, uh, uh, what was it? The, yeah, the agency trying to, to hide the fact that it's him, they would have, they would have fixed the scar, but the scar was only shown in the end to reveal that it was, that he was her all along. Um, uh, but that could have been shown in a different way somehow, but in any case, yeah. Well, I, I, I think you could even make an argument that they didn't need to show that. I, yes. thought, was, I, I thought visually it was excellent. Uh, yeah, I, I mean... It, you know it, what he could have done? It, it he could have put the glasses on that were kind of like Jane's glasses. I don't know, something like that. Well, instead well, of a I, star. I mean, but, I mean, there's that whole montage at the end that shows literally Jane from a, a child all the way to him that and that shot of him with the cesarean scars was before that. And I yeah. think that montage at the end, if if you didn't figure it out already that they're all the same person, the montage does it. You don't actually need to see the scar. The scar. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was a bit uh, too uh, much. Yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I do think that that's uh, a flaw in the movie that we can, you know, point to that, you know, maybe, you know, like if they could fix that massive scar that was running across his fucking forehead, you know, like making him look like a zombie, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, you know, based on a story called All You Zombies, uh, you know, that. Yeah, they they should be able to fix the cesarean scars and everything like that. But now I I think that the whole thing about uh, the psychosis and you know like the brain damage and all that stuff, I think that that was put there not to uh, you know make it implied that the bartender doesn't know what's going on in the past. I think he's always fully aware of what's going on in the past. He just doesn't know what his future self is going to be until that laundromat scene. And until all those pieces are put together that Robertson gives to him. (laughs) And I think that the psychosis portion of it was actually part of the plan it was robertson's plan it was part of the whole predestination paradox that he is eventually going to kind of lose his mind and he's going to become the fizzle bomber and that is going to be the catalyst that keeps the loop going yeah no and and i think i i buy that uh, for sure. So, so, so the dementia part comes more into play, I guess, later on as he gets older. Like, yeah. like the fact that he says, "I'm not gonna become like you." Well, you're not gonna remember <laughs> that you don't want to become yeah. like him. You're just gonna become him. Uh, yeah, that part of it that, that of the movie, and also just the, the your analysis of that. Um, it. Uh, I was thinking it while I was watching it, and uh, really thinking about it now that you're discussing that. But um, it's. Uh, it's interesting that um, I thought really reminded me a lot of um, there's a, uh, a a Marvel comics character. Um, one of the Avengers villains is named Kang the Conqueror. And um, he's actually just sort of been introduced now in the, sh- in the, one of the shows, mm-hmm. but um, uh, they'll, they'll probably have something with him pretty soon. But in the comics, he's a time traveling supervillain. And he's extremely powerful and he just pops in and out of time all, all over the place because his whole life is about time travel. But um, aside from facing the Avengers numerous times, he, he is um, in the comics. He's always kind of um, or not always, let's just say often um, uh, running into problems with this other character called the immortal. And the immortal is, this uh, like almost disembodied head character that has lived for so long that he's uh, he's very wise and he's he's also kind of a weird controversial type character that but you later find out um, that the immortal is Kang the Conqueror thousands and thousands of years into the future and he's just realized that his, his the things he's done in the past is not so good or something like that so he's trying to stop some of the things he did and and kang knows that the immortal is him but is constantly fighting against the idea of becoming 
that what what he sees as a weaker version of himself, mm. which I always found very interesting. Yeah, but uh, just mm. just to throw this out there, um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys picked up on this at all, but <laughs> um, I'm not going to say this as like something that lowers the movie or hurts the movie in any way, but I rolled my eyes at one scene because okay. they did it in Bill and Ted. <laughs> and if you're going to be a serious time travel movie, like one of the best time travel movies ever made, it's probably best to not do something that was a joke in Bill and Ted. <laughs> you know? He's He's got his tape recorder, right? Mm-hmm. He gets to the time where he's going to be spending some, for, some time for his mission. He goes back in time and he's like making mental notes about his mission and he's like you got to do this you got to do that now remember it's going to be real hard when you go do this because this is part of your task blah 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 blah, all sorts of stuff then he he goes up to the window and looks outside and he goes now remember it's fall in new york or whatever it's winter or whatever the hell month he says you know and he goes Make sure you pack a a, a a hat and jacket and something like that. And it sounds like he's talking almost to the other character or something like that. But a mm-hmm. moment later, he smirks as he opens up a closet and there's his jacket and hat and whatever. So they did the whole thing from from Bill and Ted, where they're, they're <laughs> at the end of the movie. They're like they're 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 having this, all these people trying to stop them. And they realize one of them is like, I, I need something, something. And then like two seconds later, it just appears in his pocket or something. They're like, how did you do that? I just made a mental note that we have a time machine. Later on, when we're all done with all this, let's just make sure we go back to such and such and put this thing in my pocket or whatever. And they start abusing it. And there's like a person who's got like a gun or something at them and is like, don't move. And he goes, oh, oh, let's remember to put a trash can up there. And then like a trash can falls on the guy's head or something. It's like... I was like rolling my eyes, like, come on, you're just gonna have a jacket appear in the closet. Give me a break. Well, at least they didn't do it uh, as much as Bill. And no, I know. <laughs> but that was a comedy. So. Yeah. Also, there's a huge paradox there, Bill and Ted, because, like, what if they don't get to go to the. <laughs> The future where they can put the stuff Something there. Something tells me that the writers of Bill and Ted didn't go that far. Into <laughs> didn't the worry that much about the, the nuance. And the funny thing is it does raise the question, you know, for predestination, what if the bartender just, instead of shooting himself as the fizzle bomber, just, like, put the gun to his own head and blew his own brains out? Oh, like, wow. Hmm. Yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, and that, that's why I'm not sure that he knows that it's him. Like, that's... Well, like, I, I, I mean, he, he definitely knows that the fizzle bomber is him. Yeah, you're talking, you're talking about he puts the gun to his head um, at the end in the laundromat. Oh you, oh, you mean in the laundromat to shoot himself yeah, instead of the fizzle bomber. Yeah. yeah, that's... Yeah, no, no, but, but he's convinced that he can change, yeah, the course yeah. of events, which... Uh, yeah. Oh, 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 no, I, I'm not. I'm not claiming that he doesn't believe that he can uh, change the course of events. I mean, like the last lines of the movie, you'll have to make tough choices. You'll influence the past. Can we change our our futures? I don't know. The only thing is that I know for sure is that you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. I miss you dreadfully. 
I mean, like, he doesn't know if he can change the future. All he knows is that there's going to be an influence of the past. All I'm asking is, <laughs> within the rules of predestination, if he just put the gun to his own head and pulled the trigger, instead of shooting himself as the fizzle bomber, what would have happened? Yeah, they there isn't enough for us to go on um, <laughs> in this. Uh, unlike Looper, th- which explicitly shows what happens um, when you when you do something to somebody to the the past version, um, they never like they never have a scene like in the bar or something or or um, in the park would have been an interesting moment to do it when he reveals when when the um, the uh, motherless. A child with no, mother. the the uh, the un the unmarried mother, I, uh, the John character. Um, <laughs> when, when, when he walks away from the bench and goes up to Ethan Hawke, right? Um, yeah. In that moment, we we discover that, and then he's I don't know whatever. If at some point in time when the two of them are in front of each other, if they had reached out and done something that unexpected and like um, you know. Uh, he accidentally like cuts uh, the, the the younger version's arm or something, and then a scar appeared or something. Then we would have known for sure that that would have been a possibility. But um, yeah, I, I mean, the the rules seem to be that like if the unmarried mother came up to the bartender in that scene where he's sitting on the bench and just shot him and killed him, that both of them could have just disappeared i would think all three of them would disappear because then the baby would never uh, yeah 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 all three of them could have just disappeared <laughs> that's, that's not the uh the rooster's plan so, uh, just to throw this out there i already kind of once and one and a half times have mentioned what my experience was watching this movie but um about let's see it would have been probably just as soon as the bar section is done and mm-hmm. he's recruiting her. They jump for the first time, and he starts handing her clothing to to blend in, and a and uh, a revolver, and a few other things, and says, "All right, I'm going to put you in front of the person who ruined your life, and you got to be ready. You got to be ready." And he starts kind of psyching her up, and all this stuff like that, right? All at that, that point in the story, I was like, "Wow, this movie is crazy because it went from this long, detailed backstory." And now we are finally kicking into gear with some time travel stuff. And at this point in time, I'm like, this is like, this is like the indie movie version of Time Cop. And I can already tell you it's going to be so much better. And then (laughs) about maybe 40 minutes later in the movie, at some of the other points that I discussed already, I was like, my God. This movie is not like Time Cop at all. This movie is uh, th- th- no, no. This movie is basically um, th- this is like the Terminator paradox surrounding like a tenant story, you know, because it- it's got that whole connection of like you know, uh, um, it-, it they explain it so simply in in um, if anything in Tenant could be simple, uh, but the the pincer idea. Of of a, a addressing a, a problem in time from both directions, kind of thing. But that's kind of what the the rooster is doing, right? I mean, he's 
he keeps sending this guy back at different points and creating these weird loops and then all the manipulation and all this stuff like that in a weird sort of way by the time the scene happens where he he's all sitting on the park bench and explains to the john version of himself you know this is what's going on and however matt very eloquently you know quoted it uh, yeah, you yeah. understand her and and now you kind of maybe understand yourself and maybe you're ready to understand me or whatever the hell it was at that point and then following very closely behind that scene is the uh point where he's staring through the window at the baby and everything i'm like they're just like attacking this problem from all angles it's crazy I, th- this tense. is actually yeah there there's a there's a weird question that's been running through my my brain uh, uh, and it's unfair for me to bring this up i mean both of you are probably actually more voracious readers than i am it it just happens to be that i've read uh, that i read the short story before the before watching the movie uh i mean it i i'm just gonna throw this out to you like do you think at any point that you would have preferred it if you have if you had read the short story before watching the movie or i i I mean just from what i've said I, i mean like do you have any inkling of you know oh that might have been yeah, you know, I, I don't know. One way or the other. No, I mean, yeah, I personally I, I, think, uh, if anything, it's always the reverse is better. Like, uh, I, I think I prefer to first watch the movie and then go to the um, like the reading material if I do, because because the yeah, yeah, because the movie is really more so enjoyed with the twists and turns, whereas like with the book, it can kind of fill in the gaps or at least what the intentions were. Especially if it's a long book, then you really get into the details. Like like I have often said, children, man, I really want to read that book because I feel like there's so much lacking out of the story story in there. It's such a stripped down story of what that universe was that I wonder if the book has so much more... Um, as far as uh, mm-hmm. the themes and and all that, so so yeah, it's I think to me the reverse makes more sense. But there's cases where I I've read a book and then I want to see oh let's see how they how they translate it into a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, um, I'm not sure. I can't really say if I would have enjoyed it or if I would recommend it one way or the other. Um, I think. It's it's hard for me. I'm trying to think of all the different movies I've seen that are based off of some sort of book, novel, short story, or whatever, and how many of those I saw in which order. You know, saw the movie first, then read the book, or saw read the book first and saw the movie. I would say 90% of the time, if not more, I see the movie first. But that's probably just because I'm a movie guy. You know, I do yeah. read a lot, or at least I used to read a lot. I wish I was reading more now, um, but I've, for a couple of years now, I've been reading a lot less, which is probably a problem. But um, mm-hmm. just off the top of my head, I'm trying to think here, like uh, Fight Club saw it first before I read the book. Dune saw two versions of it first before reading the book. Um, Jurassic Park saw the movie first before reading the book. Um yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, <laughs> I mean, 
I read the book. Um, I know what you did last summer before I saw the movie, but that's a really bad example. <laughs> um, uh, there's a weird story behind that, but um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, I think all the Stephen King novels I've read that have movies based off of them. I saw the movies first. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I haven't read the shining, yeah. so I don't know about that one, but um yeah, Shawshank, uh, The Body, uh, Firestarter. I think I can't. It and but anyway, I, I'm getting sidetracked here. Sorry. Um, most of the time, I think it goes something along the lines of: you watch the movie, you either hated it or you enjoyed it a lot. Then you read the book, and if you did enjoy it, you either now hate the movie because you're like, God, I can't believe that they did that they did it such an injustice and it's so much better in the book than it ever was in the movie. Or you like, like with, with something like um, Jurassic park, at least for me anyway, when I read that book, I, I, at first I was very upset that they didn't, that they cut so much out, but then over time seeing so many other terrible botched jobs of novels into movies, I started to realize that Jurassic Park might be one of the greatest adaptations into movies of all time because it's so good, despite the stuff. Yeah. That cut. You know, it's such a it's such a diff like it's so such a different experience than reading it. But yet when you when you're done and you take a step back and you kind of look at it and go, well, how would you possibly make that book into a movie? That's how you do it. You do exactly what Steven Spielberg did. You know, so it's like, I don't know. Um, I, I would now that I've watched this movie, I'm certainly I would be interested in reading the short story. But I don't know if I would say that um, that I would have preferred it better the other way around. I, I can't really say. Yeah, I, I mean, what I will say is that it it, it what it, I mean, it it actually throws a little bit of a wrench into how I evaluate the movie because I knew everything that was going to happen. Right. But, well, well, almost everything that was going to happen. And the movie is so predicated on the holy fuck. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, this, uh, this has been the, the, the same person the entire time. And since I had already read the short story, Mm. You know, I, you know, I, I spent the four, the first 45 minutes of the movie being like, okay, yeah, this is the eldest, uh, this is the, uh, well, I, 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 I didn't know about the fizzle bomber right. aspect because uh, again, the fizzle bomber was already vanquished in the, in the short story. So I, I just interpreted it as like, okay, this is the eldest version of the, slightly younger version of himself talking to each other about the youngest version of both of themselves <laughs> uh, uh, for, for 45 minutes. And I, you know, I already knew all that. <laughs> so, yeah, so, that, that would, um, that does change the experience for sure. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, but, you know, at the same time, you know, it's one of those things where if you flip it, you know, I, I already talked about, you know, uh, never let me go. Uh, right. 
briefly and I read the book before I saw the movie. And if I had, if I had seen the movie before I read the book, I never would have read the book because the movie was shit. Mm. Uh, and the book is one of my favorite novels of the last 20 years. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just a weird issue that you have to deal with all the time. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, if anybody is still listening to this point, I would recommend, <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend that you do both, but you know, I, I, I yeah. And or if you want to really just uh, take it easy and not really yeah. hurt your brain too much, you can just watch uh, Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. That's another <laughs> time oh, <my> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, uh, there, there's one really hot woman in that movie. So, yeah, uh, that's... Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and particularly scantily clad. So, you know, I, yeah, that, that's... <laughs> but uh also tim roth as a as an ape right the you know, tim roth was in that right yes yeah yeah tim ben roth is, is uh in that movie is he is trying to deliver the performance of a lifetime with like what i believe they said was like four to six hours of makeup every day or some crazy crap like that yeah uh tim roth is a very underrated actor. So uh, Ethan Hawke. I, I, bring it back to what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, no, I I love Ethan Hawke. <laughs> it is also kind of funny that you know uh, both in the uh, in the short story and in the movie they refer to Ethan Hawke's character, like the the guy who snatched the baby, as somebody with a, a face shaped face you know just like you were just like you or me and all i can think about is you know that family guy bit where they're in chinatown and oh my god it's jackie chan oh my god it's jackie chan oh my god it's jackie chan and then finally finally they they actually find jackie chan and there's like, hi always good to meet a fan oh my god it's ethan hawk oh my god it's ethan hawk oh my god it's ethan hawk <laughs> <laughs>